Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. 71% of Gen Z and 72% of millennials say there are financial topics they want trustworthy advice on, but aren't sure how to get it. At the same time, the top barrier preventing Americans in general from seeking financial advice from a professional financial planner is the belief that they don't have enough money to use one. The good news is that these generations are more likely to meet with their financial planners versus digital channels. Many millennials prefer not to meet in person or over the phone. Rather, they prefer to use digital channels such as text messaging, videos, audio messages, and AI communication chat devices to communicate. The challenge is that they want highly personalized financial plans based on their goals as opposed to just a general answer. My guest in the Banking Transform podcast today is Jessica Chen Riolfi, co-founder and CEO of Uprise. She shares how Uprise has leveraged data, AI algorithms, and human expertise to provide the potential for optimal financial outcomes through a wealth management platform. In a marketplace that is yearning for easy-to-access, trustworthy financial advice, Uprise's strategy looks at a user's full financial picture, including some often overlooked aspects like employee benefits, and uses the algorithm and human expert review to offer recommendations on what to do with money based on historical data and best practices. So I met our guest at this year's FinTech Meetup in Las Vegas, where I was captivated by the mission of Uprise and the journey of this young startup since its beginning in early 2021 and even before that. You know, before we start, Jessica, can can you share a bit about your background and how your past prepared you for the journey you're on today? Definitely. Um, and thanks so much for for having me on this podcast, Jim. Um yeah, so so I don't know that anything can can fully prepare you for for this journey, but my background has been at the intersection of finance and technology for for a long time. Um, so before starting Uprise, I was the chief of staff to the head of product at Robinhood. Um, before that, I was the head of product at Earnin, which is um, a product that helps people living paycheck to paycheck make ends meet. Um, and then before that, I was uh, an early employee at Wise, which is international money transfer. Um, so I've had a lot of a lot of um, experience building in this space. The main what what brought me to start Uprise um, came from two main things. Um, one was at these companies I was working at we frequently had customers come to us with questions about their finances. So for example, Robinhood would, uh, at Robinhood, people would ask, what should I buy? What should my portfolio look like? And unfortunately, Robinhood can't answer any of these questions. They direct you to the page of most popular stocks, uh, which are which is the wrong answer for everybody. And and you go one layer deeper and you talk to customers and customer interviews and things like that. And you, and you realize that there's a there's an underlying sort of level of stress and confusion and also just regrets, things that they had wished, um, wish they had done differently earlier. And, you know, I, I, I thought back to my own personal experience growing up. Um, my mom 
worked at the FDIC my whole life. Uh, she was an immigrant, really built up um, all of her knowledge, but also, you know, working at the FDIC, she she took me from like day zero to open up a bank account, explaining to me all, all of the different things, the way um, I should think about security of my money and savings and optimizing um, for taxes and things like that. And uh, today she lives on the border of uh, Washington and Oregon, which is very tax optimized. So you could see where all this comes from. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought like it's possible, it should be possible to take the advice that she gave me at the exact right time, have a trusting relationship with her. She knows what she's uh, you know, talking about and like bring that to the right, using technology to a lot more people. And basically scale, scaling my mom uh, is, is how I describe a lot of that. And so that, that was an initial genesis of like, hey, uh, we want to, I want to try to democratize access to really good financial advice. What is up uprise? What you know? How does it get built? How do the the recommendations get formulated, or how does a personalization take place? Definitely. So um, the way our product works is that um, the way I describe it is that it creates really good drafts. So we do two main things. One is we put together initial financial review for a customer. Um, so looking at your situation, you need to do these three things. Um, so it could put together a draft financial plan there. Uh, and the other thing it could do is put together a draft response to a customer question. So, hey, should I put my money in a solo 401k or SEP IRA? For your specific situation, you should do this. Um, and I say drafts because philosophically as a company, we believe there always has to be a human in the loop. A, the technology, as as you guys probably can guess, is not fully there yet. And even, even when like chat GPT starts to hallucinate and stuff like that. There needs to be a human in the loop. The second piece is um, even when the technology is 100% of the way there, we still really believe that the human is so valuable for the customer experience to know that I have a person on the other side um, and also to be that, you know, person, that accountability buddy to, to keep me honest and this kind of stuff and, and help me overcome psychological and sort of emotional biases. So that's how we built the product today, which is it enables a human to deliver more personalized financial advice to a lot more people. So what differentiates it from what's in the marketplace today? I mean, a lot of firms will say they use AI and they use humans together to bring together solutions and recommendations. I mean, what excites your prospects and clients about Uprise? Yeah. So we predominantly partner with financial companies, financial institutions um, to offer this embedded within their product. And I think we're, we're pretty unique in that we do this um, via financial institutions. And what I mean by this is a lot of different things. So first, we focus our product on people who don't really meet net worth minimums yet, or for whatever reason, don't want the traditional wealth advisor model. So call it people who are between 25, 45, net worth of say 50K, 100K, even some people who have like a million dollars in net worth who who think, I think the main thing a lot of people think is, well, that's not enough to, to have right. a, a traditional financial advisor yet. Um, and so we tailor our product for that audience, which is to say like the, the topics they care about, home buying for the first time, um, oh, having a kid for the first time, getting married, um, you know, like setting a lot of, helping them navigate a lot of these things. A lot of our customers too have been like startup equity. What do I do with this? And so 
any specific questions that are coming up for this audience, we aim to be comprehensive for them. And then not only that, have a user experience that speaks to them, is concise, doesn't talk to you like I'm in a super high mahogany desk. I'm talking to you like a friend um, and using language, avoiding industry jargon, that kind of stuff. So that's a lot of how we thought about building the product to make sure it really resonates um, for the end user. So it's interesting that I talked about in our introduction that you're really trying to address a marketplace that, that feels underserved, is skeptical about whether or not there's anything in the marketplace that can answer to their needs and, and hold their hand in the process. But when you look at that, is the market big enough for your product? But even more importantly, do, do you provide enough added value over and above what they're getting today to differentiate yourself. In other words, I know that in a lot of the write-ups I wrote about or read about, it talks about optimizing the financial journey. In other words, you find opportunities that others would never have found. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll talk about the second piece first and then talk about sort of yeah. the market. Um, so, so yeah, so our product is meant to be comprehensive. I think the First of all, it's unique in the in the fact that there is is even a human for this segment of of customers. This segment of customers is used to like completely digital, maybe the wealth fronts of the world or the mints of the world, where unfortunately, I think it's it's not flexible and it doesn't fully understand the customer situation. So we take the time to actually like get your benefits brochure. And like, look through this thing to look for your benefits. Okay, well, your 401k has this much match. You should put this much in there um, to hit your goals. And so there's a, a lot of this where we go pretty in depth in terms of understanding who you are, what your current situation is, where you're trying to get to, and then putting the right answer for you. And so that's been the main customer feedback that we've gotten from our end users, which has been, wow, this felt really personalized to me. And it feels like you guys understand the the things that I'm thinking through, um, and you because you've been through it and and this kind of stuff. And so that I feel like is the key feeling that we're getting on the other side um, in a way that's not possible with fully digital solutions or uh, fully human solutions because then it's way too expensive and out of reach. Um, the second piece is like, is this market big enough? And surprisingly, maybe it is a little bit surprising to us because, so we partner with financial institutions. That is a really broad category. Um, and in basically, we did, a, we have now done 105 conversations with different financial institutions. This could be the traditional banks, um, community banks, credit unions, fintech, so neobanks, um, investment products, uh, real estate, life insurance. Um, there's just so many different things. And like even, oh, small employer business. Be employer benefits. I mean, employer employee, benefits, employee payroll. Benefits. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Payroll companies, small business, um, financial services, because small business owners, especially so busy with their business, don't have time to figure out the, their personal and business finances are all mixed together. And so that's been... In each of these conversations, the light bulb goes on for the, the person's head. It's like, yes, actually, if we had financial advice here, well, we could build this relationship earlier. If we had financial advice here, we could stay build a relationship with them over time and find cross-selling opportunities because we've got these other products. And so um, 
the, the flavor may be a little bit different for each of these different verticals, um, but it's been really eye-opening for us in all the different ways that we can make the user experience that much better by implementing you know, personalized advice um, into these platforms. Honestly, your your uprise really built on a kind of an AI platform, taking data and, and making it work from the standpoint of of modeling and things and and, and algorithms. That said, um, you know we have a lot going on in the AI space right now, to say the least. Um, as much as I was enthusiastic about the November thirtieth release of ChatGPT, the reality is on March twenty third when they came out with uh, version five of ChatGPT. It blew my mind in the difference between the two. I mean, anything I asked, the, the difference in answers was far deeper and far more thoughtful. This is actually changing the perception of the marketplace that's aware of what's going on here to what is possible. How does this change what Uprise offers and how are you integrating some of the learnings and some of the things that are going on in this marketplace with your product? Definitely, definitely. This is, I mean, it's its super exciting. I think for us, AI uh, data science has always been part of our, right. our like founding story and, and our vision. Like I could, as part of this, I, I went back to that initial like scratch work that I had in terms of the business model. And there's like, there's my model of like one pillar is AI, one pillar is the customer experience and one pillar is the data around um, around tax rules and financial products and stuff like that. And so I was very much inspired in the very beginning from, from Stitch Fix, completely different industry. Stitch Fix is, let's use AI to make recommendations on clothing for you and basically democratize access to like personalist, personal stylists. Right. Um, but they're well known in the in the in Silicon Valley for having the best data science team. And I was like, well, we could take that similar model, even with the sort of their human and AI together. That's how they've they've set that up. Um, that was very much an inspiration for for us getting started. And now, so basically the vision was at that time, we can make wealth management or financial advice, sorry, 10x cheaper than it previously was. Now with the open AI technology, it can be a hundred X cheaper yeah. because in addition to the machine learning that we've already got going, we can now, even the responses, the typed up responses from the advisor, we can train, like our um, Caroline, who, who leads our financial planning has now sent uh, hundreds of emails, right? like thousands of emails and messages to and from customers and this kind of stuff. We can train the technology in her voice. And so again, we never send anything straight to the customer, but now the it's, oh, yep, send, right? That's correct. That's how I talk, that kind of stuff. This is what we're talking about in terms of order of magnitude, time savings, and therefore let's make it available to a lot more people. I mean, it's got to be exciting from your perspective because it changes the finish line. And not that the finish line wasn't going to be changing as it is, but it takes what you may have thought was going to be three to five years out into the current, not just from a, a modeling of the portfolio, but more importantly, as you just brought up, the customization of communication and engagement within a voice of what you want Uprise to be, which which at the end of the day is your brand, which is what really sets it apart from other options out there is, is how are you viewing the consumer compared to your alternatives out there? And, you know, with OpenAI, if, if you can all of a sudden 
have it understand your speak, have it understand what's important to you as a company and your advisors, then the portfolio is the easy part. It's the communication that goes with it that gets kind of exciting. Definitely. And one of the things I think is interesting too is like, I don't know if, I know everybody's probably looking into into AI and this kind of stuff right now, but I feel like the real next uh <laughs> the next value creation in this space, in the AI space, is going to be like taking that like very generalist technology and adapting it for the workflows and the use cases, all these. Are. So this is where, you know, we are hyper-focused on like, well, what are, what are the rules? How do you, how do you give financial advice? Let's make sure that that methodology is incorporated here and that's customizable. And so it becomes much more of a, a, a platform um, that you can use for wealth management in general. Um, that is a, a longer vision of ours or longer term vision of ours to to actually turn this into a platform that is specific for financial advice and wealth management. You, you know, it's interesting. When I think about wealth management and advisors, the challenge I've always had is, number one, you mentioned earlier, geez, are they going to spend any time with mine? Am I worth it to them? Whoever them is. Number two, am I getting good advice? And it's actually the first one overrides the second one only because if you don't get in the door, you're never going to find out if it's worth it. But probably more importantly is how much involved are they going to be after the initial product sale? And I've written quite a bit lately around the ability to allow customers access to products on digital channels and creating truly digital engagement as opposed to just a good experience. How is Uprise going to address the challenge of ongoing engagement and to build engagement over time as opposed to simply the point of sale time? Definitely. I think this is this is the, the area where our product shines the most, which is I think a lot of our partners, one of the one of the main hurdles they have is that they have very transactional relationships with their customers. Like, let me make this payment and then it's over. And I think for us, our product has been about building a relationship from day zero. This is, again, why we have the human in the loop and, and all this kind of stuff. And so one of the things we always advise our partners is set this up as an annual subscription, not a monthly subscription. And what our product entails is you on board, we do initial financial review, um, we you help you sort things out um, in that initial review, but then we're checking in with you quarterly and there's an open chat channel for whatever question comes to mind and to be top of mind. Like you can even ask us, should I buy or lease a car? Should I, you know, like all these things that come up throughout, um, throughout, throughout your sort of life. And then, um, and then in the, in addition, we're monitoring things in the background. So, hey, it's open enrollment period. You should take these actions. Oh, uh, taxes or um, your stock just vested, whatever it is to, to remind you to take actions and to stay on top of things. Or even like student loans, you qualify, you should um, be applying for the forgiveness or whatever it is. And what we've been seeing, the output of that is that customers engage with us on, a, on average at least once a month. So basically what used to be wealth management used to be, well, here's my money, great retention because here's my money and I never have to engage becomes like, hey, no, I'm engaging with my money on a monthly basis and checking in with it and, you know, great results all around in terms of somebody being more deliberate with their finances. And, and it's not just coming from the customer. You know, I my, my challenge was, you know, my, my, my bank was really 
receptive when I decided to take money out of the bank's loan, my mortgage loan, to change it to somebody else that had a, a better rate as I refinanced. And all of a sudden they get engaged. And you go, wait, guys, this thing has happened over time. You never engaged because it was a, a nice annuity. You kept on making money on my interest rate that was too high. In much the same way, you know, with my financial advisor, it's usually based on my call to them as opposed to their call mm -hmm. to me. And you feel very underwhelmed by the amount of engagement and experience you have. And to your point, with the way, as I understand it, the way that Uprise is built, the dialogue itself is going to help educate the tool to do more engagement with the consumer because of consistencies in the marketplace. You know, the, the market drops today significantly, and it drops in a certain sector. And all of a sudden, you start to see certain people asking the same questions. That makes it so you can proactively go to these people and say, by the way, this happened to you. You may want to consider this. And all of a sudden, you're really leveraging the power of the future of AI and the conversational AI with your model and bring them together in such a way that it's proactive um, in the way that consumers feel like it should be. I, I get frustrated daily because I get Acorn's communication all the time on what they've done for me and why they've done it. And I don't get any communication from my two major banks on my small business and my consumer base. So I get frustrated. I'm going, why does this small interactive platform continue to communicate to me? They don't have the biggest deposit level. They don't, they're not my biggest financial institution, but they're getting there because they're proactively trying to help me save money. They're answering the need I have that my traditional bank could easily have answered and still could easily answer, but they're not there. And, you know, the fact that you're partnering with financial institutions seems to be a, a no-brainer in that it gives you the ability to be the shining star within a portfolio of services that a, a bank or a credit union or a, an insurance company or anybody else may have. Um, from a standpoint of where you are today, and I know you can't, probably don't want to reveal exact specifics, but how many customers do you serve right now? And and to the point that not just customers as in um, organizations you work with, but how many consumers are actually working with the platform today, knowing that you're really new? Yes, yes, we're very early stage. So in total, we've done um, about a thousand financial plans for our customers. Um, so that's, that's the data that we've been, um, and it's been a thousand has been plenty to, you know, to, to be able to start to see a lot of patterns, yep. um, and to be able to give, uh, give good financial advice. And, uh, and yeah, we're still the, the, sorry, the partnership piece of what we do partnering financial institutions. We've got two, um, going live in the next month. So also very early on that, um, spent the first year and a half basically building the thing, uh, so which enabled us to get to market right. um, about half a year ago. Yeah. And as I mentioned to you over dinner when we were in Las Vegas, I don't usually have guests on that are at the super early stage of of their their journey. But the reality is your your model is so different from a perspective of what I saw in the marketplace. Plus you were addressing the challenge in a new way that I thought was unique. So, you know, let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, 
innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back to Banking Transform. I'm joined today by Jessica Chen Riolfi, co-founder and CEO of Uprise. We have been discussing the financial management needs of the Gen Z segment and those who are most misunderstood with regard to their needs in the investment and wealth management space and how Uprise hopes to build recognition and scale in the marketplace. So, Jessica, how do you measure success around the customer experience, customer engagement, and delivery of services? Yeah, we have a North Star metric at uh, at Uprise, which is NPS, Net Promoter Score. Um, and so everything, like, <laughs> we collect tons of feedback. In order for, for you know, all of our um, sort of machine learning and this kind of stuff to work, we, we collect a lot of feedback. What recommendations resonated? What recommendations didn't resonate? This kind of stuff. And the number one question in, in that survey form is always, you know, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend or colleague? Um, and so we have an NPS right now of about 70 Um we can always push it higher uh, as we continue to build. We constantly do user interviews to figure out where we missed the mark and how do we get better next time. Um, so that's how we generally measure because um, it encapsulates everything. If you're if you're going to refer it to a friend, it encapsulates um, you know a lot of that that user experience. And then from there, we you know we dig into okay, what are the engagement numbers around this? Uh, how how frequently are they logging in? Um, how much how did they implement the uh, the advice that we gave them? If we gave them four recommendations, we're seeing people on average implementing two. Okay, what was missing in the other two? That kind of stuff. Um, so digging further from there. So our research um, shows that traditional financial institutions do not feel prepared to effectively use data and analytics for the personalization of communication, recommendation solutions, and for just overall education of the consumer. How is Uprise going to use data and all the information you're collecting to not only improve financial wellness, but more importantly, improve the financial education of consumers? Because at the very beginning of our discussion, we talked about the fact that your base feels like they're under-equipped to deal with the market challenges. How are you going to help them in that journey? Yeah. So our financial plans has, has a big component, which is what you could call financial education, but basically it's like the right financial education at the right time. So we went through your finances. You need to do these three or four things. And that's on the first slide, do these three or four things. Naturally, the next question from this person is going to be, well, like, why should I do those three or four things? How did you come up? Like, how did you come up with those and why those specific numbers? And so then the rest of the plan is like topic by topic, your where you are today, where you uh, need to be on that, and here's why. And there's a lot of education. Why Roth versus traditional? Or why, you know, all those kinds of questions um, embedded within that financial plan. And so in every single time we do that, every single time we make a recommendation, it's a recommendation supported by why. Um, and so as you can imagine, as you're, as you're going through that journey, the amount of knowledge you have specific to your situation um, gets, gets, gets quite large. You've generated a lot of interest in the marketplace, not only when I met you, but you, you've gotten some good funding. You've also have a lot of individual investors that are like a who's who in the financial services marketplace, some leaders of organizations at SoFi, Cash, and other organizations. 
obviously, not only these people that are investment, the people that have joined your organization to help you achieve your mission really see something special here. What do they see? That it hasn't been done yet, right? Like everybody who joins us in our mission, generally speaking, the first thing that we hear is like, gosh, I struggled with this. I struggled with this. I tried different solutions. It didn't work for me. I really see this. And so I think it's just a, a lot. I think that the thing about fintech in general, the uprise aside, is like it's a lot of incredibly like mission-driven people who who see you know different challenges and and want to dedicate their lives to to building better solutions and and making a positive impact on people's lives. And so I think this is, you know, one key component that, you know, a lot of us have struggled with and and want to build that solution. Now, to that point, you know, the the mission and the, the vision is so strong, but it is also so big. So on a day-to-day basis, you're a smaller organization. You have to get the next thing done. How do you keep focused on what comes next, as opposed to getting overwhelmed by what you want to achieve in the future? I mean, I, I just I just think about what you're doing today, and it would be very hard for me to wake up every day and not be somewhat overwhelmed by all that needs to be done, knowing that every day when you think about it, even during this conversation with you, I brought up things that I didn't even think of that I go, geez, is, is this making it even better? And you go, I got to stick to my knitting. How do you do that as a founder? Uh, not easy. <laughs> that is the that is the hardest thing, right? That is the hardest thing that that actually in my, all of my experience building product, it's like what you could be doing is this large set and trying to figure out, okay, well, this is the one that we need to. This is the most important one, and we should start here. One one way I think about this is like de de risking the business. So when you start out, you've got a ton of, like everything is unproven, right? And then what is the most important thing to de-risk first? It's like, is the AI possible? Or, okay, let's let's de-risk that one. Um, is there, is it possible to integrate with uh, financial institutions? Let's de-risk that one. And so like piece by piece, oh, this other one we think we know we can figure out. Like we know um, we can scale up our human workforce. We've, we've done this before pretty easily. Okay, so that one's going to be less important right now. We're going to focus on this other thing. So that is a, a lot of how we think about the prioritization. We also let the market pull us in many ways. So for example, we had not anticipated working on SMB owners. So working with SMB financial institutions to, to serve SMB owners. But the pull from that market was just really strong. Like in, in all of the conversations we had, it was like, well, you know, I'm actually already doing the personal taxes of my SMB owners. I really use some help on this. And so we heard that and it's about being flexible too to say like okay there is a really strong need here let's prioritize make sure we prioritize that piece to work on as well so the elephant in the room right now is that the fintech marketplace has been disrupted dramatically over the last several months with the increase in interest rates the drying up or somewhat drying up of vc money and obviously the failure of silicon valley bank how has that changed your go-to-market strategy and how do you intend to be revenue positive in a part of the future that's important to get to, which is fairly quick compared to what it was maybe two years ago? Definitely. I think, I think 
you know, in general, starting a company is hard regardless of, you know, what's going on in the market outside. And, and I would say like the biggest challenge that companies have in the wealth space is how do you go to market? What is the right way to get your product in the hands of customers? And there is obviously no clear answer on this because you see a gazillion companies with like a gazillion different ways to market. And so you've got the traditional wealth advisors who are, you know, heavy on sales, but because it's so heavy on sales, then it has to be uh, really white glove and only high net worth clients. There's the a lot of companies now approaching this via direct to uh, via employers. So now it's an employer benefit, uh, financial wellness as an employer benefit. Um, so this has been the I think the the biggest piece for us, which is like, why do we believe in partnerships with financial institutions? Um, it gets at a lot of what you described, which is like, it's it's win-win for both sides. We operate on a revenue share model with financial institutions. So it's low risk, right? If no customers adopt, then there's no revenue paid. Um, but at the same time, it makes that revenue model uh, a lot easier for us as well, um, because they have a much larger customer base to initially go to and a trusted relationship that's already been built. Um, and, but even more importantly, and then, then that model is the fact that we fundamentally believe that going via or partnering with fi financial institutions makes the product better, makes this experience better for two main reasons. One is the data collection at the beginning to understand, to even understand you well enough to give really good advice. There's a lot of information that can be streamlined. And then more importantly, the second piece is now that I told you that you should take $50,000 or $5,000 and put it into this account and open up a high yield savings or whatever, it can actually be one click done because the financial institution already has those products versus you got to roll up your sleeves, go to this other, create an account. You know, like, so that's, that's the reason why um, we made, like, we spent a lot of time thinking through this. Do we want to go down employer? Do we want to do the uh, other other paths? Um, and coming to the conclusion that this both makes sense from a business perspective and also from a customer perspective and from, you know, the financial institution perspective um, in terms of the goals that they have. So you, you've already said you've met with dozens of financial institutions to present your product. What has been the biggest comment made that has been the non-starter what what that you you've been working on to address what what i wouldn't say negative because they're they're just ideas and reasons why they're saying geez i'm not sure if it's time yet what has been the hmm. biggest challenge that they see in partnering with your firm definitely i think i think the main hesitation that a lot of people have with ai is data so basically especially for larger institutions, it would be like, well, does my customer's data go into this model as well? And so the main thing that we're thinking through is to make sure that um, even within an institution, we can have additional, we have a, a base model and then we can continue to train with just within the walls of that institution. Um, and so separated from other things. So that's that's probably the main thing that we're thinking through as we uh get into, you know, start working with larger and larger institutions um, and making sure that, you know, we're being thoughtful about uh, about their needs with data. What's been the biggest positive surprise in your journey so far? Definitely the team. 
Um, I would say, I we were talking about this beforehand, but I would say the biggest positive surprise, the team and, and you know, all the, all the supporters, which is like initially when this was just an idea and a piece of paper and like, really it's me, like, guys believe this thing, that there were people, you know, who really believed in that mission and, and incredible people with incredible experiences um, who are willing to join me on that. And that's been, that's, that's been the most rewarding, most wonderful piece of this. Well, it gives a lot of credit to you because I think, you know, when it really gets down to it, organizations and people want to partner with those that have a clear vision and you kind of feel like they get it. And more importantly, they're going to be able to get there. Um, It's a little bit of both. It's kind of like, number one, you have to clearly identify the problem and be able to enunciate very well how you're going to get the solution. Um, So, you know, to close up the podcast, the the most important question that I know you'd like to answer is um, how do organizations get a hold of you to kick the tires of of, uh, your your platform? Yeah. uh, So please feel free to reach out on our website, uprise.us. Also happy to share by email address, Jessica at uprise.us. Very, very happy to, happy to chat and and talk that through. And there was a, one thing I would probably mention is like, I think a lot of financial institutions, one underlying concern is like, oh, you know, I probably all white collar workers right now with the advent of AI is like, oh, how do I make sure that I don't, disappear and, you know, I become um, not useful anymore. And I think one of the things I've realized in this journey, you know, working with AI and machine learning and thinking through that has been, gosh, one thing that that these traditional institutions have is like relationships, humans and relationships. And we just, it's so important. And it's not like... Ultimately, like where do where does the value of wealth management come from? It comes from the fact that there's a human who says, Jessica, push that button. You know you should push that button, but like your like emotional biases are saying, like, I don't too afraid to do so. So like that's that's the value. And I think as long as we all acknowledge that, hey, that's the piece that we need to lean in on. And how do we highlight that more? How do we bring that to more people? That's that's I think the the main thing that you know I would want to leave with financial institutions. Well, I certainly wish you the best of luck, you and your team. Um, This will not be the only interview we do with you. Um, I I fully intend to follow you on an ongoing basis, but also to interview as you go along. Because I I think, you know, the beauty of what I do right now is these podcasts, we're in our third, we're well into our third year now, and over 250 podcasts, we get a sense for who gets what the future is going to be and who doesn't who will actually achieve what their goal is to some degree and who may not, even despite market headwinds. Um, and it, and it's interesting because as a founder, there are challenges that the normal people like myself would never be able to understand on a daily basis. But I think you really shared a great insight into what makes your day and that, that people are willing to be on the ride with you. And um, that is very valuable. You know, you're in the sales business as much as anything else because you have to sell your concept to the world and um, and have people jump on board to help you get there. So we wish you the best of luck. I hope wish you the best of luck. And it, it was great talking to you again. And uh, we'll visit again. Thank you so much for saying those things. And definitely would love to stay in touch. 
Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed today's show, please take some time to give our show a five-star review on your favorite platform. Also, be sure to catch my articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, remember, more than ever, financial institutions must provide ways for consumers to manage their own finances effectively, make informed decisions, and plan for the future through digital channels. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.